Looks right, throws a deep pass, right side, end zone, hits off, it's a touchdown! And the Cardinals continue to pour it on. Welcome to Cardinals Underground, presented by the Arizona Cardinals mobile app. Visit azcardinals.com slash app. Touchdown, Arizona! The latest news and notes from the guys who cover the team. Great move to the right at the 50. Cuts back to the left at the 40. He's loose at the 30. He's at the 20. The 10. Touchdown, Cardinals! Rise up and make a play. And what a hit! Oh, my goodness! He got crushed. You've got to be kidding me. Come off the ball with malice. Here's Paul Calvisi. I'm not sure anyone's really ever confused yours truly with a hardcore journalist, okay? I'm more of a broadcaster. I'm not sure what exactly that entails. Uh, I like to think that because sports is entertainment, maybe sports casting has some element of entertainment in it, uh, albeit that I fail on that most uh, all the time here on Cardinals Underground. So Paul Calvisi, uh, Paulie Charlatan, will go ahead and pose this question to Darren Urban and Kyle Odegaard. Do you guys or do you guys not use Wikipedia as a trusted, verified source of information when writing thy stories? Darren, give me a ruling. Uh, I'm going to say that Wikipedia is a place to maybe see what's going on, a general overview, but I would definitely tend to try and get a second source on whatever might be bringing up. Okay. Kyle, you agree? Yeah, I mean, it is it is useful at times. You can get backstories of players and stuff on there, but definitely agree. When you see something, please double-check to make sure it's true. Okay, <laughs> so for example, um, go ahead, uh, Darren. If we were just to go ahead and uh, Wikipedia up uh, AT&T Stadium, what might it read? Well, it, it might have read, and, and to be honest, Paul, this was uh, earlier and, and not necessarily as of this recording, uh, but uh, as of Tuesday morning, it said AT&T Stadium formerly Cowboy Stadium, retractable roof, et cetera, et cetera. The facility, comma, owned by Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury, comma, can also be used for a variety of other events. I see. That's good. I don't think that's quite true, but I, I guess I right. see where somebody's going there. Interesting. Have you ever bum-rushed a Wikipedia page, Kyle? It's more your generation. <laughs> I mean, come on, be honest. Have you ever, like – inserted an analytic that you really think fits well have you ever contributed to a wikipedia page in an effort to maybe you know improve it in, in some way besides changing at&t stadium to saying it's cliff and kyler's house i've never I done see. it <laughs> so you're the you're the culprit okay well that's quick we got to the bottom of that right away here off the top of cardinals underground i mean there's really no consequences what are they going to do there's some sort of wikipedia police is going to track you down <laughs> I mean, right. what, what are the consequences right <laughs> I would think at this point, people would probably have a good understanding, uh, at least in that scenario, uh, of exactly what it meant. See, there's always a scam. I'll give you, I'll give you, I have an eighth grader, and all of a sudden he started wanting to wear this gator. okay? Instead of the mask, the gator, and now the gator was above the nose. Now it's above the ears. Well, because the thing these kids are doing now is they're putting their earbuds in in class so they can listen to music and then put the gator over the ears. There's always a scam. You got to keep your head on a swivel. That's the way it works around here. That's why I love the youth. They're always making the best out of a situation. You tell them to wear masks and they're going to turn it into a time to use music and they'll probably put their phones under there and be able to text during class too. You should look this up in Wikipedia, by the way. My younger brother, who's a college professor, once told me that all of the great discoveries, like the earth shattering discoveries ever made in the history of mankind were made by those younger in age because their thought process had not been developed and shaped and conditioned 
by typical patterns of thinking. That it's the young and the youth who are thinking for themselves and thinking freely without any influence and any outside influences that boom, have come across and founded some of the greatest discoveries of our time. You know what, I, I could totally see that and I understand that. However, I would also argue that the majority of the greatest discoveries of all time came when the life expectancy was probably about 35. So you kind of had to be young, right? I see, right. Before they be died dead because by they, the time you're 40. Right, before they died from starvation because uh, they had dental problems that were <laughs> fatal, right? Back in those days, right. so right, that's, uh, you know. So, so Kyle, that's our segue, youth and discoveries and innovation to Kyler Murray. There you go, yes. that right off the topic. It was a long way to get there, but, but we did. And uh, I'm curious, Mr. Passing Game is the lifeblood of the NFL, how you viewed, especially the second half of that Cardinals game, that win at Dallas. You mean scoring 17 points and only completing one pass all, all half? I'm sure that the journalists love that. along those lines, yes. I'll let you fill in the blank, yes. Yeah, I mean, this is, this is an interesting team, and that was definitely an interesting game because you're right. The Cardinals did not have to throw the ball to have success. Now, you're not going to get four turnovers every game, and you're not going to get seven and a half, eight yards per carry every game, but the Cardinals certainly have a formula that they've shown the last – year and a half where they can run the ball very effectively and very efficiently. And I say it's not a running league talking about teams that get three and a half yards per carry and just do it because they're supposed to do it. When you get up to the five yards per carry, 5.3, which is where the Cardinals are at now, it is a good decision to run the ball because you're being so efficient at it. So I'm with you, Paul. If the Cardinals are consistently going to run the ball this well, then yeah, it's going to be a big part of what they do offensively. And knowing that teams now have to defend that, then it's going to help the passing game too. And play action is going to be a big thing. We saw the deep shots. I think they'll work in concert. I still think you have to pass decently to win a Super Bowl. But I mean, this with the mobile quarterback, it's a different story. It's a different game when Kyler Murray can do what he does with his legs. I mean, there's nothing wrong, kids, with still being balanced, right? And being balanced is a great way to mitigate your tendencies to keep from a defense easily game planning against you. We, moments ago, about an hour ago or so, recorded Cliff Kingsbury's weekly TV show Game Plan. And I asked Coach, I said, look, you had the explosives. You had the 80-yard touchdown strike to Christian Kirk. You had the 69-yard touchdown run by Kenyon Drake. You had the 60-yard catch and run by DeAndre Hopkins, how much of that is tied to the run game and the play action and or the play action? He nodded immediately. He said, absolutely. Those two do go hand in hand. So, you know, now that the Cardinals seemingly have the running game in gear a little bit more, or at least a commitment to perhaps running between the tackles and, and not abandoning the run when they're only getting a few yards here or there, Darren, because we saw a lot of very short runs, but we also saw a commitment to stick with the run and taking a lead obviously helps. It allows you to do that. But as Kyle was talking about, they do go hand in hand, do they not? I would agree. Of course they go hand in hand. And they, and they were afforded against the Cowboys the opportunity because of how their defense played to be able to go in that direction. I mean, they, they did have a couple of fortunate things happen, especially early in that game. Um, you know, the, the first, after the first Ezekiel Elliott fumble, they ended up going on a touchdown drive, but that touchdown drive was only allowed because Kyler Murray threw two not great passes. Uh, it was third and 10. He scrambled, did a great job to get the first down, but if he doesn't 
kind of make something out of nothing and there was nothing on that third down play, then that's just a punt. And they, they squander the turnover. And on one hand, you, you look at the magic of Kyler Murray and what he can provide for you, even when he's not doing everything right. At the same time, that's one of those ones that I'm going to go kind of go back to Kyle. That's analytically, that's not necessarily sustainable. That's, that was a one great play out of something that when it all averages out, he's not going to necessarily be able to run for the first down on that play. And you're going to have to be a little bit more effective on some of the other things. But I, I would say that um, they, they did a, an excellent job once they got the lead to, to kind of mix it up. And, and the Kenyon Drake thing uh, and, and getting back to kind of where he was, I think also helps this team a little bit. They're going to be playing better teams though. And that's part of it too. So NFL research, you guys probably saw this, the Twitter account, the official NFL research Twitter account put out after the, the Cardinals win in Dallas, where Andy Dalton completed 34 passes and Kyler completed nine, just one in the second half quote tonight is the first time in the Super Bowl era that a team won a game by 25 plus points, despite its leading passer in this case, Kyler Murray having 25 or more fewer completions than the opposing team's leading passer, Andy Dalton. And uh, I don't know if this qualifies as a Wikipedia hit job, but I, I did reply, wait, I thought NFL is strictly a passing league. Wait for the snark. And that the AZ Cardinals run only a passing offense, Rex Ryan. So, uh, you know, I just uh, I threw that out there. But I think if, if nothing else, Kyle, at least a national TV audience saw it's not Mike Leach's air raid. Everybody now. That's not what the Cardinals are running. That's not what Cliff Kingsbury is all about. In fact, after 22 games in the NFL, uh, you have to believe what he's been trying to tell everyone this entire time, that they're willing to do whatever it takes to beat you scheme-wise. I don't know if you guys agree with me, but it feels like deja vu after the first four games of this year, too, because to me it did feel like he was throwing more in the first four weeks doing the bubble screens, and obviously it came to a head against Carolina. It didn't work there. The offense was kind of struggling all, all season up to that point. In these last two games, it's been deep shots and running the ball um, with Kenyon Drake, hitting the hole hard, especially against Dallas, and just kind of going back to what they did at the end of last season, which is probably the formula that this team's going to have moving forward. But I do feel like there was that small instance when you got DeAndre Hopkins, you knew you still had Christian Kirk and Larry Fitzgerald. And I think Cliff Kingsbury wanted to try the 10 personnel aired out and see if we can do it that way. And it didn't quite work. And now I think he's in this groove of, okay, this is a three-headed rushing attack. Like we're talking about, Kyler Murray running the ball is as electric as the NFL has maybe ever seen. So you obviously have to take advantage of that. And I think the Cardinals have really found what they need to do is, is run the ball, do a nice job with that stuff, and then be creative running the ball. I think the schematics are so impressive. It's not hand the ball off in the I formation and, and get three yards in a cloud of dust. I mean, this is some fun running and then add in the deep shots and the intermediate and the short stuff. So I really like the balance that we've seen the last two weeks. It's funny because you, you mentioned the disparity between completions and, and the score or whatever the stat was. And what were we talking about? What are two weeks ago? The Panthers game was, you know, Kyler Murray had all these completions, but he didn't get any yards. So what does that mean? I mean, against Dallas, um, the score was 21 to three at halftime. 
Andy Dalton had 15 completions at halftime for 82 yards. I mean, if, if it had been the other way around and Kyler Murray had 15 completions for 82 yards, everybody would be like, what the hell? So, you know, I, again, I, I think I think there's there's got to be some nuance of what they're doing and how they're doing it. Um, they do have to get better on some of this stuff. I mean, Andy Isabella was open on both those plays early in the game. Uh, I don't uh, the first one. I don't know if Andy Isabella just didn't track it right. I mean, I thought it was close enough that it was at least going to get a better attempt than it did. The second one, they weren't on the same page of where Kyler was throwing and where Andy is. I mean, Andy Isabella's head was on a swivel all over the place, had no idea what was going on. So uh, they need to be able to hit on those. But the thing was, is those plays were there. If the players executed the right way, those are big plays. So, um, yeah, Kyler didn't throw the ball excellent the whole game, but uh, the plays are there to be made. And you kind of led into my next question. And I was going to throw it to you, Darren, but you sort of just answered it. So I'll throw it to Kyle now. I didn't see the game, Kyle. How'd Kyler play? Tell me. Tell me about Kyler. How, how do you think he played? I, I didn't see the game. You know, I, I was busy. You know, what, what, Tell me about Monday Night Football. How'd Kyler do? How much time you got? This is a complicated <laughs> answer. <laughs> no, I mean – yeah, I mean, you could you could argue that he played poorly, and you could argue that he played excellent. Like, there's, you look at the overall offensive numbers, and they weren't completely because of him. But in the context of the offense and what Dallas had to worry about, it was because of him. This all this running game is awesome because of Kyler Murray, and I mean, it's it, it's it's fun to look at it because it's it's such an interesting, unique quarterback like Kyler Murray got a top 10 QBR um, ranking in week six even though he completed nine of what 24 passes so just just one of the oddest stat lines I've ever seen but you look at the complete offensive production from the Cardinals and it was impressive it was over seven yards per play Kyler Murray was sacked once and that might have been when he slid unless there was another one that I, I couldn't remember so he no, slid a right. yard behind the line of scrimmage, which counted as a sack. They didn't turn the ball over. They were super clean. They ran it great. Um, so I just feel like that's a very encouraging outcome considering, to me, I'm not too worried about the inaccuracy. I think he's an accurate quarterback. So that's a fixable thing. And seeing everything else that went right, I just feel like you can understand where the ceiling of this offense is and is it's extremely high. Cliff Kingsbury was saying that, I, when he was asked about Kyler's inaccuracies, he, he basically said, you know, Kyler played well. And again, it, it comes down to um, while you want to do things perfectly, you want to aim to eventually do things perfectly. What, what exactly is the bar that we're setting here? Are we setting a bar to having a successful offense? Cause they had a successful offense Monday night. They just did. And again, like Kyle said, it had much to do with Kyler Murray and what the defense was worried about. And we just talked about a little bit earlier. I mean, yeah, he missed on a couple passes, but if it wasn't for a couple of his scrambles, those drives would have been completely dead. And that, that is what you get. You get a, you're in a position now where nothing seems impossible for this offense. Now that doesn't mean they're always going to be successful, but, but nothing seems unattainable. And let's face it. There's been a handful of quarterbacks here over the years where something definitely would seem unattainable at times. And Kyler does not give you that feeling. But maybe it's because he's elevated expectations. Maybe it's because we've all seen training camp practices for two years now where 
he's been flawless, 11 on 11. And he's put balls on the money in the tightest windows. So when he misses Larry late in the back of the end zone, that does give me pause in week six. Because we've seen it at times elsewhere in this in this season so far so that that's the one honestly one of my lasting memories is Darren being in that visiting radio booth very finely appointed by the way luxurious there in uh, Jerry world we had our own bathroom Paul and with your own monogrammed fine paper towels and so but one of my lasting images is that ball sailing over Larry's head as if it had just been thrown by Logan Thomas yeah yeah, that's, you I'm know. not sure how to process that because that's not Kyler. And so I don't know if it's a lapse in mechanics. It wasn't from a, a lack of warm-up throws. I mean, Darren, you saw how much time he spent in the pregame, how many warm-up throws he threw. He's now warming up in between series, every series. There were TV timeouts where the offense was still on the field. He's throwing some 10-yard passes to the equipment guys. He's always staying warm with his arm. So, honestly, he, he's so accurate so often that it's shocking. To me when when those sort of misses happen I mean I, I don't know exactly what happened on the Fitz one I mean I it felt like you know it felt like everything else was clicking so much it was like hey we we need to get Larry a ball in the end zone that felt like what that play was and then they ran it perfectly and he was open and you don't even give the guy a legitimate chance to try and come down with it it, it, it can be frustrating and, and Kyler was very frustrated after he threw it um and I understand all that. Uh, at the same time, you, you see the other stuff. You see the, the throw to Hopkins that he got to Hopkins in stride at, at the perfect place. Kind of, I don't, I, I can't remember if he dropped his arm down much at all, but it kind of felt a little bit like that. And the way he delivered it there before Hopkins got a 60 yard gain. I mean, you see that kind of stuff, and then you see the other one. I, I don't know what it is, and I know I have, I have fans are asking why can't he be more accurate. Um, I'm not really sure why it's not a little bit more consistent, but um, I, I still have the feel that it, it can get better, and it's not something. I mean, I just I feel like we saw him be so accurate last year, Kyle, that this I, I just don't think this is going to be a career long thing. I just don't. And it was a singular game in a lot of ways real quick in that obviously he's going home. It's on Monday night yeah. football or this setting. And, and Cliff Kingsbury said after the game in the post-game presser, you know, his only explanation is, well, maybe he's a little revved up still. Understandable for a 23-year-old guy trying to impress the world back home. I, I get it. So maybe it's a one-off. Maybe it is the aberration. Maybe he comes home over the next month and plays all these home games where he feels ultra comfortable against an opponent he's already faced twice in his career and everything just falls right back into sync. Yeah, so next-gen stats tracks quarterbacks and their expected completion percentage and and what they actually did. And Kyler Murray for the season is actually slightly above average, completing 2% more passes than he would be expected to when they do the, the tracking data and all that. So at the very least, he's an average quarterback throwing the ball, which when you have his type of mobility – that's a huge win for any offense and we'll see where it goes. I don't think he's going to go way down. I completely agree with you, Paul. This was one game and unfortunately it was on national television. So now the narrative about Kyler Murray is that he's not a pocket passer. He's not going to be accurate, but we have the luxury of seeing him in every game and he is better than that. I don't think mechanically or arm talent wise, there's any glaring issues. 
I think early on he was certainly amped up. He was overthrowing some passes, trying to prove himself. But, I mean, we've seen some inaccurate guys that just do not have touch for the Cardinals in, in the past since I've been here since 2013, there have been guys that you just knew you were kind of hoping and praying that he would get the ball there accurately. And Kyler Murray is not one of those guys. So he doesn't have to be great at it. He doesn't have to be Peyton Manning accuracy. If he's average to a little bit above average, this can still be a very explosive offense. Yeah, he's not one of those 40% completion guys. And, and then he just sloughs it off like, oh, you know, you can't win them all. You, you can't complete every pass. He was after the game lamenting his performance in a lot of ways even though he was the guy who was interviewed by Monday Night Football afterwards but to hear him say hey uh, my whole game was sloppy that was the word he used sloppy and that uh, I can be better and I will be better and I can still get a lot better and he, he said that repeatedly that's encouraging to me because you're talking about a guy with still two 22 starts under his belt so uh, at least at least he recognizes it and like I said we've seen that accuracy before um and now with, with Kenyon Drake, by the way, the next-gen stats, what was Christian Kirk? He was 21-plus miles per hour. Is that what that was? So when Christian Kirk caught the touchdown pass from 80 yards, he had the highest speed of any Cardinal this season at 21.2 miles an hour or so, which he held for two quarters because then Kenyon Drake came with the late touchdown run, surpassed him. Kenyon Drake has the third-fastest run all season among any player in the NFL um, Raheem Mostert, I think, had the top two, and Kenyon Drake is third. So any questions about Kenyon Drake's top-end speed can be put to bed after that. Wait, was was most one of Mostert's the one in the against the Cardinals in the first game? Yep. Of course. Hashtag fresh legs week one, yeah. you know. That's, uh, but, but that did look like the Kenyon Drake we saw last year, just in time because we remember what he did, for example – in Seattle with the 80-yard touchdown run and the Cardinals as a team ran 40 times for 253. When I think of Kenyon Drake in a Cardinals uniform, I think of that Seattle game week 16 and the win up there. And that's the closest I've seen to him replicating that when he took off on the 69-yard rip. And even before that, I mean, even if he doesn't get that last one and he is just short of 100 yards uh, Monday night, I think he still had a good game. There were definitely – I felt like he was – getting up into the line quickly. It paid off later in the game where he kind of slid off tackle a couple of times and, and gained 20 and 22 yards. Uh, it paid off the, the early, I mean, how, how do you not love the early run? And it was only worth three or four or five yards, but where he went up into the line and basically bowled over that running or the, the defensive back. I mean, that's just not something we had seen. He was running with passion um, and so I don't know what got into him last night, but it was really great to see. And I think it's really important for this team to have Kenyon Drake playing like they were hoping he was going to play. And once again, we see the potential of the offense. They start out punt, 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 and then go touchdown, 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 touchdown. So it just, I know we've talked about this numerous times. What happens when they finally dial it all in? Okay. The offense isn't there yet. Kyle is the defense there. The defense right now is number two in the NFL in scoring D. I, mm -hmm. I, I mean, I know the numbers, okay, but when I saw Baltimore one best scoring defense in the NFL, Cardinals two, Steelers three, that's some pretty lofty company. Yeah, it's been a fantastic start. And I, I understand the argument from a lot of fans that the Cardinals have faced a weak portion of their schedule when it comes to opposing offenses and there's no debate about that so will the Cardinals finish the season number two in points allowed probably not 
But considering where they came from when they were arguably the worst defense in the NFL last season, and when we talked preseason, we thought 15 to 20 would be a nice showing for this defense. I think expectations have clearly been raised. I think this defense can be a top 12 defense. That's probably a fair expectation for them. And if that happens, if the offense finds that groove that we think they can reach, then you're talking about both sides of the ball being very competitive and you can beat anybody when you're, you have a top 12 defense. That's the lesser of your two units. So I think the Cardinals are in really good shape if they continue to do this defensively. I think putting Hassan Reddick on the edge has been really important. Having Devondre Campbell fill that gaping hole. They've just ironed out a lot of the issues from last season and there's not a ton of star power now, especially without Chandler Jones, but Man, the depth this year compared to last is just night and day. And when you got Buda Baker playing like he is, if Byron Murphy continues to come along and Devondre Campbell continues to play well, I mean, I think the Cardinals have the horses defensively to keep this up in a way where they're still a pretty good defense the whole season. What are the categories? Red zone defense, aren't they top three? Third down defense, I think they're top five. Because I asked myself, okay, is that a byproduct truly or just the competition and some of the inept offenses that they've played? But there are other categories. Obviously, there are things to be worked on. But, Darren, what sort of step forward? And when you hear a Buda Baker, who, by the way, had the seven tackles, a sack, an interception, a forced fumble, two quarterback hits, all with that. And he was named captain, Paul. He was named captain, too. With the C on his chest, great observation. I totally forgot to ask Coach Cliff about that. God dang it. Anyway, um, if you – if, did I hear right that Buda Baker said that they played more team defense in the absence of Chandler Jones? Was was that was that correct? I mean, I think what he 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 basically said that we were all. I'm paraphrasing, but he basically said we communicated better. We were we were all together better. I don't know if. I guess that could be seen as a better team defense, but he felt like they all kind of were on the same page for the first time, um, and that's. You know, it's always really hard to tell. I mean, I guess you would know that better than others, but I, I also think that sometimes that's a, that is it a chicken or the egg thing. Once you have some success against a team and it starts going better, it just feels like there's there's going to be better communication because you're just playing better. Um, and having Andy Dalton behind center is a lot different than Russell Wilson behind center, and we're going to see how well that communication goes this week. But let's face it, all the talk – going into that game was, oh, my God, they lost Chandler Jones. What the heck are they going to do? And the first couple of times they had a chance to rush the passer, they made life hell for Andy Dalton. And that's – that I didn't see that coming. And, and, again, lots of caveats here. The the Cowboys, every single one of their offensive linemen is hurt. They had one of their pro bowlers still there, and he got hurt early in the game. I mean, they're, they're, they're looking like – you know, 2018 Cardinals offensive line right now in terms of how deep they've gone into their depth chart. But, you know, you take it where you can get it. And the team they had put out in front of them was Dallas and they dominated that game. And I think uh, that's a good sign in terms of at least having, sorry, Kyle, a little momentum going forward, at least mentally. Well, and there is such a thing as confidence. And if a guy like Hassan yeah. Reddick, gets a little bit of confidence and we know the sort of game he had and whether it's because he's starting to believe in his own skills, whether it's because he's getting used to that position again, maybe he's just better suited to that position. Obviously that's not even a debate at this point, 
I guess the question becomes how sustainable is Hassan Reddick to be a real threat that an opposing offense, dare I say it, might have to game plan against. Yeah, I mean, you look at his athletic skill set and it's off the charts. It's not like this guy is just doing it because he's just, you know, outworking people or whatever. He's a very, very gifted athlete. And you saw that at the combine, like he can do everything incredibly well. The big question was at his size, would he be able to get around or get through offensive linemen that really have a, a big size advantage on him? And he's shown he can do it with with those sacks and leading the team at this point. So He's, he's probably not Chandler Jones, and he's certainly not an every-down player where he can hold up against the run consistently as well as somebody that's bigger than him. But I, I've really liked what I've seen from Hassan Reddick. He's, he's a speed rusher who can wreak some havoc when he's going well, and I think the Cardinals found something. It was really smart to put him at outside linebacker and see if he could work there because inside was not working. And the fact that they have this backup plan to me is so important because I, you know, I talk about the regression and I think the red zone defense being number two, it's hard to sustain that because going back to last year, when I talk about the small sample of red zone defense, I don't think it's, it's just automatic. The Cardinals are going to be great in the red zone. I think there's too many factors in play. So if that comes down a little bit, your overall defense has to be better. And when you look at the overall numbers, they're number 10 in rush defense and number 10 in pass defense when football outsiders gives them defensive efficiency numbers. So you're doing a good job against both. And I think having Hassan Reddick step up is a big part of it moving forward to have that consistent pass rush. And look, I'm not going to get into X's and O's because I officially get over my skis. But when we're watching and it's the all 22 look because we're sky high in the Dallas booth and you're looking down and you can't help but notice, wait a minute, they're rushing three, dropping eight. And that's Devon Kennard on the nose in a four point stance. And then at other times they're bringing six. And at other times you have both safeties blitzing and an Isaiah Simmons dropping into center field. It got pretty exotic at times, Darren. And, I, you know, Vance Joseph has got a lot of accolades, and from what I can tell, rightfully so. Bottom line is when you lose a guy like Chandler Jones, I feel like you do have to get somewhat exotic. You have to give a bunch of looks that people aren't expecting because that's really what you have to do. If you don't have the horses, you got to find the scheme. And I think especially in terms of the pass rush and the pass defense, there's, there's an element to that, and that's not taking away what – Hassan Reddick has done or what Dennis Gardeck has done or uh, any of those guys. Um, but that is what has to be done. And the question now becomes when you play the Seattle Seahawks, when you play a quarterback like Russell Wilson, who all those times that the Cardinals have had success against Seattle of late, especially in Seattle, it started because Russell Wilson's been under duress the whole game. I mean, last year Chandler Jones had four sacks. I remember Clayus Campbell having a couple of great games against Russell Wilson. It's because Russell Wilson feels the pressure. Now he's got a better receiving core right now and a little bit better of an offensive line. And Oh, by the way, he's Russell Wilson. So can you still do all these things and confuse him like you did an Andy Dalton? I'm not sure that's possible. And I guess we're going to see how that plays out. Yeah. Buddha telling the media that they really, were on top of disguising coverages. If they were on a two high, they would show one high and vice versa. And, and so they really made it a point to disguise anything and everything. And, and you're right, Darren. I mean, if you have the horses, for example, let's use Seattle. Back in the Legion of Boom days, they played cover three and they lined up and they had their front seven and they had those four DBs 
and let's play. And it didn't change from year to year, from game to game. I mean, I, I remember asking Larry more than once. So, uh, Larry, what do they do on defense? Like, what do we need to know about Paul? Every time they do the same thing, it's the same Seattle defensive scheme because they have all these pro bowlers out there at all three levels. And, you know, so I get it. Um, but when you go against Russell Wilson right now, Kyle, 19 touchdown passes through five games in NFL history, only Peyton Manning had a season where he had more through five games than that was his MVP campaign. His passer rating is just under 130. That's not for a single game. That's for the season, a passer rating of 130. It is a little different, Russell Wilson, based on what we've heard. I haven't seen a whole bunch of it, but he's all, dare I say, a throw first, run second offense right now, right? Let yeah. Russell cook. <laughs> right. So are we back to this being a passing league, Paul? Because Seahawks <laughs> are having their most success offensively ever, and it's because they're throwing. Uh, it's a different Seahawks success. That's what it is. Necessitated by the parts, not by the scheme or – by some sort of devotion to the numbers of the passing game. It's out of necessity based on what we can tell on their personnel. No, I mean, it's absolutely because of the numbers and them realizing that it makes sense to throw when you have an MVP candidate at quarterback. So the Cardinals and everybody else were lucky that they were a little bit behind on the trend with that, but they're up to date now and they're throwing all the time. Yeah, th this offense is great. And you know, the Cardinals defense, we talked about the continuity aspect and, and the schematics. I, I think that's a big deal right now where they were completely right. They said if once these guys learn the system, they'll look more comfortable. And I think Deontay Thompson and Byron Murphy and uh, even Buda Baker, all these guys really understand what they're doing defensively now. And they're very in sync. I think never more so than that Dallas game. But yeah, now we get now we get the big question is can they just individually stop a Tyler Lockett and a DK Metcalf and whoever Russell Wilson is throwing to because you can scheme it up perfectly if you lose your one-on-one -on -one battle it doesn't matter and to me that's the big question is do the Cardinals have enough talent on the back end to shut down these guys especially Tyler Lockett that's that's a guy that really scares me. Yeah, and you know what you know I was encouraged by not necessarily the final stats on those Dallas receivers, but the fact that I don't think we saw a single Dallas receiver just wide open. Communication gaffe, failure to switch on some of those crossers and rub routes, which obviously was a problem in the Carolina game, for example. We didn't see any of that. And as a result, guess what? There were mostly contested catches as opposed to wide open receivers. So that as much as anything makes me bullish on the Cardinals defense that perhaps they've turned a corner without a preseason and offseason that they've navigate, navigated through and hopefully resolved a lot of the communication issues and errors and Emmys that, that we had talked about. Uh, because when you talk about Russell Wilson, you're also talking about a guy, I don't know what Minnesota did in that first half of their last game where they're up 13, nothing Russell Wilson got shut out. And then what does he do? He leads them all the way back in the second half and 94 yards in under two minutes and a fourth down pass play to DK Metcalf for the game winner and boom, Russell Wilson, puts the Seahawks to five and zero. So, and we know what they've done here in the AZ, Darren, they have not lost in the Cardinals home stadium since Russell Wilson was a rookie, correct? 2012, baby. Wow. And he still almost won that game. They were in the, uh, they were inside the 15 yard line, I believe. And they had to stop him on fourth down. Yeah. That was a harbinger of things to come. So considering the NFC West, how, how big is this game? Seattle could be the class of the NFL as, as far as we know, along with Kansas city, 
mean, to what degree are you going to be disappointed if the Cardinals do not get a win against this team? Well, I mean, I don't know. Disappointed is a loaded word, and I think in a lot of ways. I mean, some of it has to do with how this game goes. I mean, I don't – it's going to be hard to argue any, – anybody hard to argue that Seattle is not the better team right now. So there's that. But, um, you know, I, I think the, the Cardinals need to play well, and I think they need to be competitive, um, and they need to put themselves in a place where they could potentially win. Now, even if they don't, that's one thing. But, I mean, let's face it. If you have hopes of somehow winning this division – it's, it's kind of a must win because you don't want to go down three games, two and a half games, three in the loss column to a team already uh, when you're almost halfway through the season. But at the same time, um, division winning isn't everything and, and you're, it's not over if you do lose. I, I just feel like this is the measuring stick that they really need. I mean, they did a nice job against the 49ers to open the season, but we all know the 49ers weren't quite all the way there in terms of health and they never are going to be this season. Um, you know, I, I think the Rams are still a very good team, but the Seahawks are the class of the division right now. And uh, I think that's the measuring stick of what you get and getting them on a short week is going to be interesting. And the next time you play them, it's going to be a short week because you have to go up to Seattle on a Thursday night. That's right. Well, but Seattle's defense, I mean, they have the best quarterback in the NFL right now, but do they have the best team? Because you look at Seattle's defense, Kyle, and, uh, man, the numbers are not kind there. This might be out there, but I'm not sure the Seahawks are demonstrably better than the Cardinals right now or the Rams I, or the Niners. I mean, I think, I think all these teams are very close. If the Seahawks had a different result on the fourth down against the Patriots and a different result on the fourth down against the Vikings, they're three and two, and the narrative's completely different. So I, I think they're a very good team. But like you said, Paul, they have issues defensively. I think the Cardinals, I mean, if you don't throw three, have three turnovers against the Lions, you have another win. Like there's, there's a lot of very close things. I think the Rams uh, could have beaten the Bills. Like the, I'm not looking at the records very closely because I think there's a lot of noise in overall records. And from what I've seen from the Cardinals and the Seahawks and the Rams and the Niners, I think all these teams are very close in talent level. And yeah, it's, it's a big game, obviously. When you look at the standings, you, when you play 16 games, you have to win these games. And I think, I think the Cardinals have a shot. I think the Cardinals are a more balanced team, but the Seahawks have the trump card in the better quarterback right now. So it should be a really fun game. But I mean, if the Cardinals won, it wouldn't surprise me at all. I think they have the talent to play with the Seahawks. And I don't get me wrong. I wouldn't be surprised if they won either. I just, I, I, I'm a little bit, I, I understand that while they've had some close games, the, the Seahawks, I, I feel like there's a reason why they ended up winning them too. So yeah. in Seattle's the Vikings couldn't get a yard. Yeah. <laughs> Seattle's O-line isn't Dallas bad, but it's been below average for many years. So, I mean, that's another facet, another position group on the Seattle team, that at least to me can be had. Obviously we saw last year when Chandler Jones had a four sack game in their building, but there is something, and you guys have seen it. I've been down on the field 10 yards away from it. They love to come to the Cardinals' side of the field and get that group chant going, and they'll do it right there in front of the Cardinals, right about the 20-yard line on their side of the field. It's almost like a high school-type thing, like a high school rivalry. We're going into your stadium, and we're going to try and punk you. They bring, and, and the times where the Cardinals bring the energy and they match that intensity – 
it's been some of the most ferocious football you've ever seen. We all remember the 6-6 slugfest that went into overtime. But there have been other times where if the Cardinals aren't ready to go and hello short week when the Seahawks are coming off a bye, if you're not ready to match what is one of the most anticipated games, you talk to some of the Seattle people up there, they love that Seahawk team and Pete Carroll, whatever culture he's in, in, instilled in that team, they love to come down to the opponent's buildings in the NFC West and just beat them in their own place. They live for that as a team for whatever reason. And so that's the first thing I'm going to look at. Just how ready are the Cardinals to match what's going to be that sort of ferocity from Seattle? Uh, what else in this game, Darren? Is there anything else uh, that immediately comes to mind when you try and break down this matchup? Well, I mean, just the fact that the Cardinals are going to have a little, a little bit bigger of a fan base. There's, you know, about 1,200 fans that are going to be there, and I'm sure some of them again will be player and staff uh, people, but they're going to have some regular fans, and you know, it's a very small amount compared to like the 25,000 we saw in Dallas. Uh, I'm hoping that there aren't any Seattle fans that get in there because obviously, normally this is a game that has a lot of Seattle fans at it. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how that breaks down. I'm, I'm curious about that and whether it, it influences anything. Again, 1,200 people in that giant of a building isn't a lot. Um, we've had more people than that at training camp practices. So um, does it make a way, difference? Perhaps not. There were Cardinals uniforms. You saw them as well. The Red Sea did represent to a yeah. small degree. And they infiltrated Dallas. And, and I, I may – Hey, some of the Cowboys maybe weren't happy they had fans in there because they got booed repeatedly during the course of that game by the 25,000 fans who were in there. So, um, but I, I tell you, it's going to be interesting to see how Kyler rebounds with some of the passing shortcomings in this last game and exactly how Kyler Murray takes the matchup with Russell Wilson because we all know everyone is looking for a comp and really the only one to me, that even makes sense, even close to making sense, would, would be a Russell Wilson. And uh, I just – if you have a team, the Cardinals, that has a tendency as a young team to play to the level of its competition, I think maybe this is the game where you get the best out of the Arizona Cardinals in the most complete game just based on – it's not to say they're going to win the game, but I think the caliber of the game and the performance, I'm expecting the best we've seen yet out of the Cardinals just based on the Seahawks being on their field. If you get the best and most complete game from the Cardinals, they're going to win the game. They, the, the talent gulf is not that big to me where if the Cardinals execute well, I don't see how they lose because I think these teams are pretty similar in talent level. And going back to the comp thing, like it, Kyler Murray and Russell Wilson, I think he's definitely the closest comp, but Kyler Murray doesn't have a comp that we've ever seen in the NFL. Like he's, he's that electric of a runner and he's that good of a passer to me where Michael Vick was a great runner, but he didn't have the touch. Lamar Jackson, great runner, didn't have the touch. A lot of guys are very good throwers of the football, but they don't have the electric wheels that Kyler Murray has. So I truly don't think we have a comp for what Kyler Murray can be. And, and that's why I think this offense is so exciting and has such a high ceiling because of what he brings. And on the other side of the ball, I really want to see DK Metcalf and what the Cardinals do against him because Patrick Peterson absolutely shut him down last year in Seattle. Didn't have a catch. DK Metcalf had one catch for six yards here. That was early in his rookie year. So that's kind of a pass, but he was playing well at the end and Patrick Peterson did a great job on him. If he can do something similar 
that would be really important because DK Metcalf has taken a huge step forward. There are still questions about is Patrick Peterson the same lockdown cornerback he used to be? I think it's a huge game to see who wins that matchup if they do shadow. And if, if Patrick Peterson holds his own, then you can help against the other guys that are running routes. And I just think that's such a pivotal matchup in this game. DK Metcalf is one of those few receivers who physically takes it to a DB. He's, he's that Terrell Owens type who, an Anquan Bolden, who, who's actually more aggressive in terms of the mindset and the physicality of the game than the defender. He, he's just, he's a very intriguing guy to watch. And, and Pat does have experience going against at least that body type in a Calvin Johnson. I think of a Julio Jones. I think of those types, just the absolute specimens. DK Metcalf, 6'4 and chiseled. I mean, just the physicality alone, if Patrick Peterson ends up traveling with him, much like he did Amari Cooper for almost three quarters of that game, uh, that is, they, they need a picture in picture and a special camera devoted to that matchup, no doubt. It's funny because for DK Metcalf with me, quite frankly, I think less about Patrick Peterson and more about the angry Cardinals fan base because you can't do anything about DK Metcalf or Andy Isabella for that matter without people being angry that the Cardinals drafted Andy Isabella instead of DK Metcalf. And I, I, I understand it. And I do know that some of them were saying it at, at the time before the pick even happened. So, um, but it is what it is. And DK Metcalf has turned out to be uh, a pretty good receiver. I mean, I, I think he's got some growing to do. Um, I, I still feel like in a lot of ways, he's a one trick pony. He's a very good one trick pony, but it's not like, I, I mean, a lot of his yards are, I mean, they send him deep and they tell him go win the ball. Now he wins it every time and he's doing a great job. Um, but it's not like he's getting six, seven, eight catches a game. That's not his role. And so uh, I will be interested to see how Patrick Peterson uh, deals with that. If just real quick, and we'll wrap this up. If Pat P travels with DK Metcalf, who do you think is the most logical matchup on Tyler Lockett? Because we saw a lot of man against Dallas. And those, those three legitimate receivers, what do you do about Tyler Lockett then? I mean, I think you just play it normally. You're not going to follow him, but if he's still lining up in the slot a lot, obviously the responsibility would be on Byron Murphy to, to guard him. And, and that's a good matchup. Uh, Byron Murphy played his best game of his career against the Cowboys. He's, he's got a nose for the ball, but I, I still think sometimes in coverage, he, he will lose guys at times. So I think he's a little bit of a work in progress still in coverage and you're going against an elite technician in Tyler Lockett who makes cornerbacks look silly very often. So I think that's a really important matchup. But like I was saying, if Patrick Peterson can successfully guard DK Metcalf and you can give safety help against Tyler Lockett and the other tight ends and receivers, the Cardinals are in a lot better shape when you got when you could play a certain leverage, you know, Buda Baker's got your help on the other side. That, that makes things a lot easier for the other corners. Then again, if you run the ball 40 times for 253 yards, like the Cardinals did last year, week 16 at Seattle, and Russell Wilson only completes 16 passes, guess what? That's what turns into a 27-13 win like the Cardinals did late last season. So Didn't even have Kyler Murray for half that game. You're right. You're right. And, and actually, my lasting memory of that game was Brett Hundley, and you guys saw it. He led that touchdown drive and then turned to the Cardinals bench and took the bow. And so there, that, that was outstanding. That, that, was, that was hilarious stuff. And, uh, and actually, he ran it. He ran it, did not go out of bounds two or three times when he came in for Kyler Murray. He got some good, 
some good running yards at, at the second level. So, um, and now it's yeah. Chris Strebler time to shine. Why would, why didn't we see Strebler in the fourth quarter? Honestly, see, we were going so well on Cardinals underground and there was no outrage whatsoever. No reason to get my boxers in a bunch. And then why, <laughs> why would we not? We saw that Ben DiNucci guy. <laughs> I mean, why didn't we see Strebler? What's going on? I mean, if you can see a rookie out of James Madison who's, you know, Mustacholi I buy. I think isn't that the Nucci brand pasta that I buy in at Safeway? I mean then, I mean, you know, come on now. If only you had 30 minutes of access to Cliff Kingsbury on Tuesday afternoon where you could have asked him. <laughs> That's right. Well, if I get a question in between Wolf, Wolf's over there <laughs> asking about the intricacies of the wishbone. <laughs> Guards at the guard center trap and uh, how <laughs> Justin Pugh pulled on second and three. Um, okay, that I you know what I need this Seattle game. I need a home game, Darren. I know you need a home game. Yeah. And, uh, you know we got four days to get some sleep because <laughs> going to bed at three thirty in the morning and get up at four thirty in the morning, you end up with a little bit of a punchy edition of Cardinals Underground.